If you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be showing it on the screen as well. Acts chapter 2. You know, there are certain events in the life of the church, in the life of our culture, that is reflected on every year. Uh, When we think about Christmas, we celebrate Christmas every year. And think about the coming of God in Christ. When we think about Easter, we celebrate the resurrection and the ways that we have new life in Jesus Christ. And every year we come back to remember it. But uh, the church for many, many years has celebrated another really big day. And that day is today. It's Pentecost Sunday. And it's actually not just uh, a, a day where we focus on the Holy Spirit. It's reminding us that the church was birthed. On this day, some 2,000 years ago, that the Holy Spirit came and birthed the church into existence. That it's the church's birthday. Amen. And so so it's an opportunity for us to remember why we are here and what has happened. And not just what has happened, but what can happen. Amen. As we open ourselves up to the person and to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2 today. And my hope is that uh, we not just see what happened in that day when the Holy Spirit came, but that we would all get a fresh vision as it relates to uh, our lives in the Holy Spirit. That, it would, that we would have a fresh vision as it relates to our friendship with the Holy Spirit. That we would recognize that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. That God wants to use us individually And God wants to use us collectively to bear witness to something of the power of God in our world. And so Acts chapter 2, we'll begin in chapter uh, verse 1. What we are reminded of is the first Pentecost, or Pentecost was a celebration in ancient Israel, that of the celebration of the giving of the law of Moses, the giving of the law. Uh, In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, we find that the Holy Spirit is given. And I love that the Holy Spirit is given on the day of Pentecost because it's almost as if the Lord is saying, I've given you now certain instructions, I've given you certain teachings, now I'm giving you the empowerment that you need to live it out from the deepest part of your being. And so uh, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1, we'll go to about uh, verse 13. You can follow on the screen here the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, verse 5, now they, were, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those, these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, breathe on us now. Holy Spirit, would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds that we would receive all you have for us this day. Fill our lives and fill our community. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I've had over 20-something years of experience driving cars. I think I'm pretty good at it. I'm a very good parallel parker. 
Um, I only hit one person. Uh, she was okay. And early in my driving journey, I got in a couple of accidents, but I, I digress. Uh, in the 20 years of driving, one of the things that I haven't done is really been a student as it relates to how cars operate. I know how to drive, I know how to park, I know how to fill the gas, I know how to take it to the mechanic when things need to get worked on, but that's the extent of my experience as it relates to how cars operate. Now, over the years, I've had some pretty messed up cars, cars that I needed a lot of help with. My first car was a 1988 Oldsmobile Royale. My uncle sold it to me. I was looking for the nephew discount, didn't get it, and he sold me this thing, and it broke down in a couple of uh, months. Then my second car was a 1988 Nissan Sentra. Uh, a brother from the church sold it to me. I was looking for the brother in Christ discount, didn't get it. And he sold it to me, and the car broke down a few months later. My third car was a 1995 Nissan Altima. It worked throughout college and all that. But when I would take it to the mechanic, because every single car I had had lots of problems, the car would have a hard time starting from time to time. And every time I went to the mechanic, my first question that the mechanic would ask was, have you checked the spark plug? And I'd say, what's the spark plug? And he would go on to say, these mechanics would go on to say that, you know, these spark plugs, without the spark plug, a functioning spark plug, the engine will not be ignited and get the car moving. And so the first thing we need to check is the spark plug, because all you need is a little bit of spark to get the car moving. As I thought about my history with bad cars and important spark plugs, I thought about Pentecost Sunday, and I want to be your spiritual mechanic today. I want to ask you a question. Have you checked out your spark plug, your spiritual spark plug? Have you opened up the hood of your life and investigated your relationship with the Holy Spirit? That must be Ed. Is Ed in the house? That must be Ed. I know that voice. 20, 14 years at New Life Fellowship Church. Ed is back. Welcome back, Ed. It's great to see you. The question is, is our lives being sparked by the Holy Spirit? Are we being ignited by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? And Pentecost Sunday invites us to have a reconsideration of our relationship as it relates to the Holy Spirit. And one thing that we have to recognize as we look at this passage and we think about this day and as churches are celebrating Pentecost Sunday throughout the world is this, this remarkable truth that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh and the Holy Spirit is available for anyone who wants it. The Holy Spirit is available for anyone who wants it. And what we find in this text is this remarkable news that the Holy Spirit has been poured out, that God wants his life to so impact ours and we can experience a depth of divine life that's available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we pick up in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift which was promised by Jesus. Now, this was a very confusing time for the disciples because Jesus had been coming and had been going. As a matter of fact, if you want to summarize the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples, it was this ongoing uh, relationship between presence and absence. There were times where Jesus was present with them and there were times where he was absent from them. God comes in the flesh in Jesus Christ. He, he, by the year, uh, his 30 year, uh, year of age, he, he gathers these 12 disciples to live with him, to walk with him, to minister with him. For three years, he's present to them, present. Three years after he gathers them together, he's crucified. He's taken from them. And in those days, they experience now the absence of Jesus. But good news. The Bible doesn't end and the story of Jesus doesn't end with Jesus being dead. He comes back to life in three days. Amen. Amen. And now he is present with his disciples once again. He journeys with them for 40 days, eating with them, teaching them about life in the kingdom of God. And then one day says, it's time for me to go. Jesus is now once again about to be absent from them. It's very confusing for their disciples. He's with them. 
and then he's not. He comes back, and then he said he's leaving. And so Jesus, in the beginning of the book of Acts, tells his disciples that he must go away, but that they should wait because someone, something is coming called the Holy Spirit. And so on the day of ascension, Jesus is taken up into a cloud. And as he's taken up into the cloud, the, 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 the disciples look up in the air to see Jesus ascending, ascending into the, the sky. And what Jesus is doing here is he's not abandoning his people. He's taking his rightful place as Lord. He's about to ascend and sit at the right hand of the Father as King and Lord over everything. But in Jesus' sitting on the throne, he now sends the Holy Spirit. He sits and then he sends. And so he, he goes up and by ascending to heaven, he's not abandoning them. He's about to position them for power. As, as I said last week, Jesus' absence paved the way for another dimension of his presence. And so here's the good news of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus Christ in the midst of his people. And so 50 days after the resurrection, on the birthday of the church, the Holy Spirit comes. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out, the one who stands up to explain what's happening is the Apostle Peter. And I just love that it is the Apostle Peter. I love that it is Peter who's the first one to stand up, empowered and animated by the Holy Spirit, to talk about what's actually happening. The reason I love that it's Peter is because just a few weeks ago, it was Peter who abandoned Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, it was Peter who denied Jesus. Just a few weeks ago, it was Peter who left Jesus when Jesus needed him the most. When Jesus was at his lowest point, when Jesus was being crucified and crowned with the crown of thorns, when he needed the support of his friends, Peter leaves him. Peter denies him. Peter abandons him. And I love that the first person to speak as empowered by the Holy Spirit is Peter. Because God has a way of taking people who have failed. God has a way of taking people who have messed up. God has a way, amen, of taking people who are so inconsistent with their lives and using them for his glory. What we have to remember is that the Holy Spirit is not a reward for those who have good behavior and unwavering faith. The Holy Spirit is a gift to those who turn to Jesus and wait on him. Don't you love that the Holy Spirit is not given because of our good behavior and unwavering faith? There'd be very few of us who would have the Holy Spirit if it was contingent upon good behavior and unwavering faith. But the first person to stand in the presence of others and the power of the Holy Spirit was someone who denied Jesus. God's grace is amazing. Amen. And so Peter gets up, goes from denying Jesus to powerfully demonstrating the power of Jesus. And as the Spirit falls, we begin to see the ways in which it manifested. The Spirit falls and the church starts speaking in many different languages, many different languages. They start speaking in other tongues. Now, very quickly, in the Bible, there's two kinds of tongue speaking, two kinds of different languages. In 1 Corinthians 11, 12, we see that Paul says that there is a gift of the Spirit, that there is a, a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for people to have a kind of prayer language before God that you're able to speak in a language that, that's not intelligible, but is something of your soul uh, uh, speaking to God in ways that your mind cannot comprehend. Are you with me? And in 1 Corinthians 11, we see that's something that the Holy Spirit gives. And, and one day I'll teach another course on praying in tongues and all the stuff there and the importance of it. But what we find here in Acts chapter 2 is not that. 
What we find in Acts chapter 2 is not someone speaking language that's unintelligible to those around them. What we find is that when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, he gives them the profound ability to speak in other languages that people would hear around them. And the reason why this is so surprising is because these people are Galileans. They did not have a subscription to Rosetta Stone. Amen, somebody. They did not take any classes in Spanish or, and French and all the other stuff in school. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and they start speaking in other languages. And so, listen to the verse. It says, we hear them, the people around them say, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Peter gets up. I love this. He stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain to you, listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. Here it is. It's only nine in the morning. I love that. It's only nine in the morning. What's Peter saying? He said, if this was four o'clock, you would have an argument here. We, we could say that, but no, it's too early. We haven't gotten drunk yet. It's too early. No, no, no. Let me tell you what's happening. This is what's spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. The people around them are looking at the church, looking at these followers of Jesus, and it says that they are amazed and perplexed. Now, when the world looks at the church today, they are definitely amazed and perplexed. But not for good reason. They are perplexed when they see of all the craziness happening in the church. Perplexed when they see the crazy decisions that leaders are making. Perplexed when they see abuse happening in the church. But what would it look like if the world were amazed and perplexed, not because of our sin, but because of our kindness? What if the world looked at us and were amazed and perplexed, not because we don't have our act together, but because there's a power at work in us. What if the world looked around at the church and were amazed at us and perplexed at us that we could have a kind of peace and a kind of joy and a kind of generosity and a kind of love? What would it look like if the world was perplexed and amazed at us? In this text here, they are amazed and perplexed. And what we find here is a scandal of what's happening in this first Pentecost Sunday. What we find to see, it's scandalous because everyone is declaring the praises of God in different languages and everyone is prophesying. And this is scandalous because in the scriptures, to prophesy, to declare God's truth was usually restricted for certain people. Certain people called prophets. Certain people who were uniquely anointed by God for a particular time, for a particular people, to give a particular message. And so we have Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and all the rest. Those were the people who were sanctioned. Those were the people who were qualified. Those were the people who who were anointed to do those things. But what we find in this passage is that the Holy Spirit now is not just for some people. That the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit are not just for the spiritually elite. It's not just for people who went to Bible college. It's not just for people who've been to church for a really long time. The Holy Spirit is not just for some people. The Holy Spirit is for all people. It's very easy to believe that God's anointing is just for some people. That God's gifts are just for some people. It's easy to think that, oh, the preacher has a special kind of anointing. That the singers have a special kind of anointing. That the pastors and the elders have a specific kind of anointing. But there's only one anointing, brothers and sisters. 
It's the anointing of Jesus Christ. And it might manifest differently, but it's the same anointing. It's the same spirit. And the spirit of God wants to fall on all. If you are a Christian, if you belong to Jesus Christ, good news for you, you are already anointed. God's hand is, there's, there's no uh, place in this building here which says, the anointed, the unanointed. If you belong to Jesus Christ, his hand is on you. You are anointed. And God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All. All. In Greek, the word all means all. All people. All people. I get, we're getting deep. I know we're getting deep right now. The Greek word for all is all. And, 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 and what Peter begins to do now is explain in detail what it means that the Holy Spirit has come. What it means that the gift of the Holy Spirit is present. He begins to describe what all means. How the Spirit is breaking down the walls. And so the first thing he says, he quotes Joel by saying, When the Spirit comes, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, the first thing you have to know, especially in a, in a culture that's marked by male dominance, in a culture that's marked by patriarchy, in a culture that's marked by men can do this and women can be over here, what Joel is prophesying, what Peter is saying is, God's spirit is for all people. God's spirit is for sons and daughters. That God's anointing is not just for men. That was your opportunity to say amen. Uh, God's spirit is not just for men. God's empowerment is for women as well. From time to time, people come to church, and you know this is why we have women elders at New Life, and women preachers at New Life, and women pastors at New Life. And, and from time to time, someone comes to our church and they say, "Oh, I love your church. I love what you do there." But 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 why do you have women preachers, and and why do you have women pastors, and and why do you have women elders? And and I, and, and usually in the lobby, and, and I usually take up my Bible, and I just, I mean, I just and I take them to Acts chapter two. And I said, let me tell you why, because we're going to be biblical. Let me tell you why. The reason why we have this is because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out, not just for sons, but for daughters as well. And so when, when, when Peter is preaching, he's saying something has happened. That when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not just for a particular gender, it's for all people. That's the first thing he says. But that's just not all. He says, it's not just for male and female. Listen to this. He then says, the Holy Spirit's poured out and young men and old men as well will dream dreams and see visions. Young men shall see visions. One of the reasons we work hard to think about the next generation, when I hear sailors say, thank you for helping me see that Jesus rocks. When I see Owen talk about the ways that a uh, few people have helped him grow in his understanding of Christianity and of Jesus. When, 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 when Peter says that young men shall see visions, he's letting us know that in the kingdom of God, there is no age that you get to that qualifies you to be used by God. That God can use you at any age. That you don't have to wait. Listen, you might have to wait to get a driver's license at 17 and 18 years old. But you don't need to wait till you're 17 and 18 years old to get a license to operate in the things of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is for people of all ages. That five-year-olds and six-year-olds and seven-year-olds right now can be filled with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in the, in, the, in the New Testament, we find that John the Baptist was in his mother's womb. In his mother's womb. And it says, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Phil, God does not wait until we get to a certain age 
before he decides to use us. As a matter of fact, if you, if you listen carefully, God has spoken to us through children in some profound ways. Has God ever spoken through a child and you thought, how did you know that? Where is this coming from? Might it be coming because God, the Holy Spirit, has been poured out on all people. And so, listen, he says, the Holy Spirit comes and young, the young men shall dream, uh, have visions, and then the old men will dream dreams. And this is fantastic. The old will dream dreams. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just for the young. And the Holy Spirit is not just for the middle-aged. The Holy Spirit is for, how shall we say it, is also for seasoned saints. Yeah, yeah for, the, for the seasoned saints among us. And so listen, you, you, you might have retired from your job, but you never retire from the kingdom of God. That God wants to use you even at your more seasoned stage of life. You know, there's something in our society called ageism. Ageism. And in our society, it's basically this idea that when you get to a certain age, you're no longer needed. Thanks for your service. Thanks for all the things that you've done. You're no longer needed anymore. And the older you get in our society, the less our society says you have to offer. This happens in churches. This happens in schools. This happens in businesses. It happens in jobs across the board. The older you get, the less value you have in our society. But in the church, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God works totally opposite from how the world is oriented and operates. Because in the kingdom of God, the, the, the older you get, the more you bring, the more you offer. As a matter of fact, God has a way of waiting until you get to a certain age to begin to say, now I'm going to use you. Look at Moses, for example. When God said, okay, now we're ready to deliver the people of Israel, he was not 20. He was not 30. He was not 40. He was not 50. He was not 60. He was not 70. He was 80 years old. And God said, okay, now it's time to use you. Moses is saying, I, I can hardly see. He said, this is an opportunity now. Now I'm going to use I can't, what, what was that? I can't even hear. Now is an opportunity for me. To, I can't even speak. Oh, no, now is the opportunity. And so your body may be failing, but God might just be getting started with your life. Your job may have discarded you, but the kingdom of God says, come over here. You have gifts. You have passions. You have an anointing. You have experience. And we need everyone, young and old, to play their parts in this body of Christ called New Life Fellowship Church. And so listen, Peter says, the, the young shall dream dreams, and the old shall have uh, the young shall have visions and the old shall dream dreams, but it doesn't stop there. Peter continues to talk about when the Holy Spirit comes, what does this mean? And so the young sons and daughters, young men and old, and then he says, even on my servants, even on my servants. What are we getting at? We're getting at now the, the socioeconomic diversity now. That the spirit is not for simply the middle class. And the Holy Spirit is not given simply to those who have their act together and upwardly mobile. That the Holy Spirit, you could say, is often uniquely poured out among places in which there are very little resources. That the Holy Spirit is uniquely attracted to people who the world overlooks, who the world does not see. Yes, the Holy Spirit is for all people, but the Holy Spirit has a, uh, a unique disposition to move towards those who the world has overlooked. This is why I grew up in East New York, Brooklyn, in the 80s and 90s, a place that was socioeconomically on the lowest part of the spectrum in New York City. 
violence, poverty, all the rest. I lived there for 34 years. I didn't just, like, was there for the summer. I was there for 34 years. I've seen poverty. I've seen suffering. I've seen addictions. I've seen all kinds. And you know what else I've seen? I've seen little churches operate in the power of the Holy Spirit that will confound churches around the world. I've seen healings in the name of Jesus. And it was like the Holy Spirit knew, I know you don't have health insurance, but I'm going to visit your church anyway. I know you don't have a job, but watch provision come anyway. I know you don't have money to see a mental health therapist, but watch how I'm going to give you peace anyway. That the Holy Spirit is uniquely drawn towards people who the world overlooks. Which means we can position ourselves. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And Matthew, and, and the gospel, and the Matthew, uh, gospels, uh, Matthew's gospel, blessed are the poor in spirit, and Luke, blessed are the poor. Almost as if to say, once you recognize your poverty, once you recognize how much lack you have, once you recognize how much you have need in your life, then you can open yourself up to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But look what Peter says, even on my servants. And that's what I love about the church. I've seen over the course of my life in the church people who the Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted that they might not get a promotion at their job because they don't have the credentials and don't have the education and didn't go to that school and didn't go to that place and didn't get that degree and then they come into the church and the Holy Spirit uses them to bring breakthrough into other people's lives. How is it possible that those who the world overlooks can be used with so much power in the church? It's because the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out even on my servants. And when the Holy Spirit is poured out, look what accompanies the Spirit's presence. Dreams, visions, prophecy. My hope for all of us as we're in this season of Pentecost is that we would open ourselves up to the dreams that the Holy Spirit has for us. That the Holy Spirit would give us visions. And that out of those dreams and out of those visions, that the Holy Spirit would use us to prophesy, to speak life. You see, to prophesy is not simply about telling the future. To prophesy is to bring forth God's life and word for a unique time and the unique place for the unique people that you find yourself in front of. What if God has sent you to that job, not simply to get a paycheck, but to prophesy? I'm not talking about just prophesying through the hallway as, as everybody's doing their work. And I'm, I'm talking about people in your workplace that are suffering, people in your workplace that are struggling, what if God sent you there to offer a word of God's life to them, encouragement, perspective? What if God sent you to that school, not simply to get an education, but because God sent you there to prophesy life, peace, and joy? What if God sent you to that neighborhood not simply to have a better place to live, but to be a prophetic presence of God, declaring the praises and the truth of God to the people around you. The good news of Christianity is that the Holy Spirit has been poured out and that his life is available to us. The bad news about our lives is this. We often don't want to get wet. The Spirit is being poured out that's good news. The bad news is we don't want to get wet. The other day it was raining. Did you see it was pouring just a few days ago? Just pouring, pouring, pouring. And I didn't have my umbrella and I needed to get to the car. And it's one of those things where you start going, okay, how long can I run over this to the car? And I'm going to get poor. And so I go, here we go. And, and I just, I run. And I, and I run as fast as I could. I'm poured on. I get in the car, close the door. And whew, all right, I'm safe. That's wonderful. It was wonderful. Great, great, great. Now, when it's pouring outside, run to your car. Get in there. 
But metaphorically speaking, what we've often done is we have tried to dodge the pouring of the spirits in so many ways. And we have sheltered ourselves from the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We have distracted ourselves to such a degree that we miss out on the ways that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out on us. Do you know that since that first Pentecost Sunday, every single day the Holy Spirit is being poured out? Every day the Spirit is being poured out. You would think, okay, Sunday, that's a good day for the Spirit to be poured out. But the Holy Spirit is not just poured out on Sunday. When Monday comes, good news, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. God's life is available. God's strength is available. God's empowerment is available on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Every single day, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. The problem is we often don't want to get wet because to open ourselves up to the presence of the Holy Spirit means that we often have to change. Means that God wants to identify some things in my life. Means that there's some areas of sin, areas of rebellion, areas of uh, being stubborn that God wants us to pay attention to. That we are called to open ourselves to God. When I think about this, I, the image that comes to mind is an image from the Shawshank Redemption. Shaw, I, I love the Shawshank Redemption. Wonderful movie. It came out in 1994 about a man who was falsely accused of killing uh, his wife. And he's thrown into prison. And, and after many years, he escapes. You had 25 plus years to look, see this movie. So uh, he, he escapes, all right? And he gets out of prison. And while I'm at it, uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Okay, uh, just... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, things you should know by now. And, and, and so he escapes. But what I love about this is as he escapes out of the prison, he gets outside of the prison walls and he begins to take off his prison shirt. And it is pouring rain. You've seen the movie. It's a powerful part where he opens himself up at this point in the movie to kind of be baptized in this new reality. Baptized afresh, no longer in prison. Baptized a new life before me. When I, when I think about this image, I often think about what the gospel is. You see, the gospel is not simply the good news that you can be free from sin and go to heaven when you die. Oh, that's pretty good news. But if, it just, if we just think that is the gospel, we're missing out on so much. The gospel is more than you are forgiven and you go to heaven when you die. The gospel is because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. What life will be then can begin to be experienced now. In this way, and I've said it this way before, because of the Holy Spirit, we get a sneak preview of what's to come. When Christ fully and finally reigns and the presence of God fills the earth. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. You get a sneak preview. When Rosie and I go to the movies, you know, we watch the trailers. And now they have 40 minutes of trailers. I can't believe it. 40 minutes of trailers. I'm thinking, when are we going to get to the movie? I think, here it is now. No, another trailer, another one. And every time a trailer comes up, we see it. It goes on for you know, two, three minutes, and Rosie and I go, oh, we're not going to see that. No, and then the next one, yeah, we're going to see that one. And, 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 but, and then, but, we, but there's some trailers that we see, we go, we definitely want to see that one. We got a sneak preview of what's to come. Because you have the Holy Spirit, people need to look at our lives. When they see our lives, when they see our joy, when they see our peace, when they see the, the love of the church, the life of the church, what we're showing them is the sneak preview. This is what's going to come. When Jesus Christ fully and finally reigns, would you like some of that right now? That is what we're doing. And it invites us, like this character in Shawshank Redemption, to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. Which is why this Pentecost Sunday, if we just said three words over and over, prayerfully over again, we would have said enough. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.
Encourage us, Holy Spirit. Comfort us, Holy Spirit. Confront us, Holy Spirit. Transform us, Holy Spirit. Heal us, Holy Spirit. Reconcile us, Holy Spirit. Send us, Holy Spirit. Work in us, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. May our lives be marked by opening ourselves up to the life of the Holy Spirit. What a shame it is for people who say yes to Jesus Christ, who receive forgiveness of sins, who have a promise of heaven when they die. What a shame it is that they say yes to all those things and never get to a point where they open up themselves every single day to be refreshed, to be baptized, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine someone in a supermarket dying of starvation. Locked in a supermarket, dying of starvation. How can this person die of starvation inside of a supermarket? What a shame. And what a shame it is for us who are locked inside the presence of God to die of spiritual starvation because we've never opened ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. God's life is for us today. God wants to pour out his life today. God wants to give you wisdom today. God wants to bring healing to you today. God wants to encourage you today. Not sometime in the distant future. God wants to do that stuff today. And it requires us to open our hands and our hearts as we say, come, Holy Spirit. One of the ways that we gain access to the Holy Spirit, or the way we gain access to the Holy Spirit, is through what Jesus Christ has done for us. He dies for us, dies on our behalf, takes on our sin. But he doesn't just take on our sin, he gives us his spirit. And one of the ways that we remember and participate in this reality is by coming to the table of communion. When we come to the table of communion, we come not in our works, but in the work of Jesus Christ. We come not in our strength, but in the strength of Jesus. We come not in our righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We come not in our good deeds, but in his good deed. And we open ourselves up to him. And so I want to lead us in a time of receiving communion together to open ourselves up to the presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me invite you to stand with me. God wants to pour out his spirit on you today to empower you, to heal you, to transform you, to surprise you. Do you know that it could take the Holy Spirit a second what it would take you years of effort to try to accomplish. Do you know that the Holy Spirit in a moment can encounter you in such a way that sets you on a whole new trajectory? This is not about willpower. This is about us saying, Holy Spirit, come. Do in me what I cannot do for myself. So I want to lead us in a time of repentance. Repentance is recognizing the ways that we've turned from God and turning our hearts, turning our attention, turning our lives to God. That's what repentance is. And every time we repent, Lord, of how distracted we are and how self-oriented I can be, Lord, I repent. Help me to turn to face you so that I can receive all you have for me. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment and maybe offer your own repentance, confession of sin. Where have you missed the mark? Where do you need God's grace? And offer that before the Lord in the silence of your heart, and then we'll pray this prayer of confession on the screen. But take about 30, 40 seconds to offer your own repentance before our Lord Jesus Christ.
Let's pray this prayer of confession on the screen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, and deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Scripture says the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As the people of God, forgiven by the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all receive the bread together. The same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns as the people of God freely forgiven by the poured out blood of Jesus Christ let's all receive together Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We sing to you, Lord, these words of praise and adoration, these songs of longing and yearning. We sing them to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all sing together. Fullness of eternal promise Stirring in your sons and daughters Earth revealing heaven's wonders Spirit come, Spirit come What you spoke is now unfolding All your children shall be older. Dreams awaken in this moment. Spirit come, Spirit come. Pour out, let your love run over. Here now, let your glory house pour out let your love run over here now let your glory fill this house now the world awaits your presence This power is within us. We will rise to be your witness. Spirit come, Spirit come. Pour it out. Let your love run over. Here and now, let your glory. Pour it out, 
tongues fire testifying of the sun one desire and spirit come spirit come speak revival prophesy like it is done one desire spirit come spirit come tongues of fire testifying of the sun one desire and spirit come spirit come speak revival prophesy like it is done one desire spirit come spirit As we hold to this assurance, Spirit come, Spirit come, and 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 Spirit come. I've been a human way too long to come across stories of brokenness, sin, addiction, struggle, trauma. I've heard of too much brokenness to be ashamed of the Holy Spirit's power. And when we gather in this way as the people of God, we uniquely position ourselves for breakthrough, for wholeness, for healing, for restoration for reconciliation, for transformation. And so we're going to sing through that chorus there, just pour it out. And as we sing that, listen, have you lived through the last two years? Have you seen what's happening in our world? Do you need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you need new strength? Do you need new energy, new perspective, healing? Does your marriage need strengthening? Does your finances need helping? Listen, if you are in a place today where you're like, Lord, I need you to pour it out. Usually when we gather together at New Life, you've been coming for a while, we usually, this is the time where I give the benediction, I say, amen, praise God, see you next week. But it's Pentecost Sunday. It's the birthday of the church. And so I want to open us up. As we sing this, as an act of faith of you saying, Lord, pour out on me. I just want you to just meet me right down here. And let's just sing. 
As we're singing, if you need help in your marriage, walk down here. If you're struggling with addiction, walk down here. If you're struggling with depression, walk down here. If you want to be rescued by Jesus, walk down here. And let's just worship and open our hands. So let's sing. And pastors, elders, if you want to just lay hands on people on their shoulders here, just walk up here and let's sing this together. But join me as we sing. If you need something of the presence of God in your life, let's sing together. Pour it out. Let your love run over. And tear now. Let your glory fill this house. Pour it out. Let your love run Your glory fill this house and pour it out. Let your love run over and tear it down. Let your glory I need peace, I need healing, and if there's a hand around you, I want to invite one of you just to gently place your hand on that person's shoulder. The Holy Spirit is here, amen. God can heal, amen. God can transform, amen. God can change a medical diagnosis, amen. And so we want to pray for healing in this place. Let's sing it out. As we pray, let's pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. Pour it out, let your love run over, and tear it now, let your glory fill this house. Pour it out, let your love run over, and tear it now, let your glory fill this house. If you have a headache, I just feel like the Lord wants to heal you, so come up, get some prayer. Um, also, I see there's something with a leg, so if you need prayer for 
you have pain in your leg, any kind of pain in your leg right now, I feel like the Lord wants to heal you. If you have a pain in your leg, if there's a headache that you can't shake, the Lord wants to bring healing, revelation, transformation. So that's you just come forward and let's just invite the Holy Spirit. Listen, we're going to watch the game in a little later. You'll be on social media in no time. But we want to open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit. Let's sing that one more time. Let's pour it out. Pour it out. Let your love run over. And here and now, let your glory fill this house. Pour it out. Let your love run over. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. Pour it out. Let your love run over. Here and now, let your glory fill this house. Let your love run over. And here and now, let your glory fill this house. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Hallelujah. Yes, Holy Spirit. Have our prayer team come to the side here. I'm going to bless you all in a moment. And maybe you still want someone just to pray for you. And our prayer team will be here to pray for whatever need you have. The last two years has shaken up this planet. And I don't know about you, but I'm longing for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. An outpouring of peace and joy and justice. An outpouring of healing. And maybe may New Life Fellowship be a place where we host the presence of God in this world. Where we open ourselves up to God's life. And so I want to offer a, a blessing for whatever need you can come forward. I believe there's a sermon discussion time. Uh, and so after the service, feel free to join the link if you're watching online and uh, you want to be in conversation about today's message. And if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, he has so much love he wants to pour out on you. So much grace and forgiveness and mercy. And whether you come forward for prayer, whether you text this phrase, yes to Jesus, it's that number on the screen, 718 424-0122. One of our pastors would love to follow up with you. Our Lord Jesus Christ is so kind. And he wants to transform you. And so for whatever need you have, we'd love to pray for you. Uh, I do know that we have a, a men's fellowship that's supposed to start at 1. Uh, so we'll figure that out. And I know there's a women's fellowship that's supposed to start at 1 as well. Uh, and so we'll figure that out as well. Um, and we'll have time to connect for an hour. And so hopefully uh, you'll stick around for that time. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven as a sign of receiving. We have titled this series, The Radically Accessible Presence of God. That God's presence is radically accessible to you. Right now. And as we open our, whole, our, our hearts to Jesus, His Holy Spirit can fill us. That's my prayer for you this week. That you would walk in the Spirit. That you would recognize your dependence on the Holy Spirit. And that God would use you to be a blessing and gift to the world around you. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building and out of this online gathering in the power of the Holy Spirit. May you experience joy and peace.
peace and wholeness and restoration and hope. And may you offer all those things to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the radically accessible name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you all.